Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Good morning. How is everybody? Sweet. Uh, if you haven't been here a while, we actually turned the lights up uh, during the sermon. So uh, Soren is about to go turn that on just to prepare your eyes because uh, it's dark like woe in here. And uh, frankly, we, you know, we want to be able to see. So, but it's always nice for me to see your sweet faces uh, once the lights are on. So we'll see. We're almost there. Yes, yes, yes. There we go. All right, cool. Hey, there you are. Uh, good to see everyone. Um, my name is Russell. If it's your first time here, uh, I'm the lead pastor. Uh, we're super glad that you're a part of uh, here for Mission City. It's uh, it's crazy that we're coming almost to the end of the year. I mean, I can't believe like it's almost December, and I've been joking with my wife that it's almost Christmas time for like six months now, but it actually is almost Christmas time, uh, and we're super excited about it. We are. Jake just said we're finishing a series in Genesis. So just to give you a, a recap, so. Genesis, you can divide it up more than this, but if you can think about it in two chapters or two chunks, uh, Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of this global uh, idea, this global storytelling that's happening. Uh, And then in uh, Genesis 12, you get the introduction to this man named Abram, who eventually will become Abraham, and he'll become the nation of Israel. And Genesis 12 through the end of the Old Testament is basically that story of this nation. And it continues in the New Testament with Jesus as well. But that's where that starts. Uh, and and it, like the, basically, we, we talked about there's this theme that has been, uh, has been happening or has been going throughout the, entire, like the, the entirety of these, these stories in Genesis 1 through 11. And uh, it kind of reminds me uh, of the Lion King. Any Lion King fans? Yeah, that's good. Uh, still a beautiful thing. Never seen the thing on Broadway, but love the movie. Um, and do you guys remember uh, the line where uh, Mufasa and Simba are sitting and they're looking over the the beautiful, like just, uh, is it the Havana? Is that what we call this? S- I'm sorry, what? Savannah. Okay, wow. Thank you for the education. <laughs> Clearly didn't do my research. Uh, God. Disney, like, what would be against you guys on, like, a Disney trivia night? Uh, anyway, so the Savannah, it's beautiful. Uh, and uh, what, is, what does Mufasa tell Simba? Does anyone know it? Let's see your movie quotes. What does he say? Shout it out. Everything the what? Yeah, everything the light touches is what? Is yours. Yeah, basically this is your kingdom, right? And what does Simba say? What about that shadowy place over there? If I could sum up Genesis 1 through 11, human beings' interaction with God, God's like, here's the world. Here's everything. Be fruitful and multiply. I've made you in my image. I've given you everything you need. And what does humanity do? Hey, what's that over there? Hey, what's that fruit over there? What's that over there? And, what, what, and human beings have just brought evil into 
the world. That's what is, is kind of what has, has happened throughout it as well. We're, we're too like Simba, where we are, 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 are not convinced or not uh, pleased with the great world that God has given us to rule and reign and to lead and to be his witnesses in. And instead, we're, we're concerned with something else, trying to be like him or trying to, dis- we, I've been saying this phrase a lot, like we can either choose to decide uh, and let God be the one who tells us what is good and evil or what is right and wrong, or we can be the ones that takes a hold of the fruit and decides for ourselves. And what has that gotten human beings into in this story? It's not very good. A flood, uh, expulsion from the garden, and now we're going to talk about a story uh, called in the, in, at the end of Genesis 1-11, through 11, uh, the Tower of Babel. Uh, and a- again, this is one of these stories where if you look at it, it's subtly it might not seem like they're doing anything wrong, um, but in the nuances of the story, it's, it's, po- it's pointing to say, hey, no, that these people are just doing more of the same. And so God is going to do something about it as well. Uh, and so this story, Tyler Babel, finds itself uh, basically in between uh, almost two genealogies. So Genesis chapter 10, if you ever read it, uh, if you ever want to read it, it has basically the descendants of Noah's kids, uh, which is cool. Uh, high points, there's a guy named Nimrod in there that's pretty cool. You should go check that guy out. Uh, but outside of that, uh, and then you get the, in Genesis 11, you get the story of the Tower of Babel, and then you get back to a specific descendant of Noah, or one of his sons named Shem, and you get the line of Abraham out of it as well. And, uh, and so, but we get this sandwiched in here, we get this story about the Tower of Babel, and, and really, like, very practically, it's a story about how there are different languages and nations in the world, uh, but it's also saying something so much more than that. And also, one of the big themes out of this, there's re- we're going to look at seven themes, but one of the main ideas that I don't want you to miss is this group of people were trying to make their name great, and we see in juxtaposing them in, in Abraham that God desires to make, like God wants the one to, to be too exalted. He'll tell Abraham literally the next chapter, hey, I will bless you, I'll make you a great nation, and I will make your name great. And so we're going to look at that tension today, but, th- but ultimately that God is the one who exalts, and, uh, and he will exalt us in his time and like when he does make our name great, what it, it actually ultimately does is point people to him and his name is made great as well. So let's see what happens. So we'll open up Genesis chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, smartphones, you can get there. If you have your, those journals that we pass out, uh, if not, it'll be on the screen. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Everyone spoke the same language? No one would have to take Spanish class? Uh, anyone, anyone really good at languages? Cool. That's awesome. No one's proud of that. All right. <coughs> uh, and then we get, and people migrated from the east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar that se- and settled there. Uh, and so, so we just see that there's just all the world, they speak the same language, and then it says they, they migrated uh, from the east. Now, uh, the way I read that, uh, I might again. I'm not the I'm not the best uh, grammarian in the world, but that sounds like to me they started in the east and moved somewhere else. Uh, better translations would actually have them moving eastward, and this is one of the f- this is the first theme out of the seven we're going to talk about today is this eastward theme. So anytime you see this eastward theme in Genesis chapter one through eleven, it's this idea about uh, it's about moving from like God's provision and plan and what's good for you and moving to like human evil and human sin. And so we see it when they're driven from the garden, they're sent east of Eden. 
when they're driven, uh, when Cain kills Abel, he's sent eastward into a land. Lot later in Abraham, when he leaves, he moves eastward. The, the people of Israel, when they're actually going into the promised land, they're sent eastward. And so this idea, it, it, it's a contrast uh, of, of a way of blessing with humanity's own attempt to find what is good and evil. When people go east, they leave the land of blessing and go to the place where their greatest hopes will be ruined. Uh, and, and so we see this, like, again, a very subtle thing, but them moving east, the reader would say, oh, wow, like, this is going to lead to destruction uh, as well. The other thing I want to mention here, too, is the name of the Tower of Babel is, is, is basically to a, a, attacking uh, another nation in some ways, or it's poking fun at another nation or challenging another nation, and that would be the nation of Babylon. And, and I don't know about you, but the, the, the I, I don't know if you know a lot about Babylon, but the, the, the idea of the nation of Babylon is a theme that is throughout the scriptures. It's in the Old Testament. It's in uh, the, the Israelites are actually exiled in Babylon, and it's actually brought up in the, in the New Testament as well. It's in, the, it's in Revelation. It's, it's, it talked in different places. And so in scripture, Babylon is this. It's seen as the embodiment of human pride. That, that Babylon is seen as the, it's the embodiment of human pride and godlessness uh, that must attract judgment from the Almighty God. If you, if you want a note just to read this, I don't have time to look today, but Isaiah 14, 13 through 15 um, is, is kind of the center of that, or, or not the center, it talks about that. The prophet Isaiah talks about that. Um, in the New Testament, Babylon is called the great harlot, uh, the persecutor of people of God, the, the incarnation of human pride. Revelation 18.20 talks about the re- we should rejoice in the destruction. Uh, her fall will establish the kingdom of God. And so Babylon, again, it's like the, the embodiment of human pride, which uh, some people could say that's, that's a part of sin. If, if uh, some, someone described to me once that, that pride is the wrong understanding of who I am and who God is. Or, yeah, who I am, or who God is and who I am. So pride is the wrong understanding of who God is and who I am. And so if I have this arrogance uh, about my place in the world, uh, then and, and I end up doing things that are not, not of God, it will lead to judgment and things of that nature as well. Um, so let's continue in verse 3. So what happens? And they said to one another, they say, come and let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they, they had brick for stone and a, a butamen for b- mortar. And then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves that we will, <coughs> bless we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So what, what happens? These group of people, they move eastward, and what do they do? They want to build a city, and they're going to build a city out of these mud bricks in some ways, and these, it's going to be a great city that's going to go into the sky or into the heavens, and what are they trying to protect? What do they want? They want to be all together. They don't want to be sent out. They don't want to be dispersed for whatever reason it could be. It could have been uh, they wanted protection. It, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but they, they, they wanted the safety of all being in the same place. So the first thing we talked about was this idea of eastward. The second theme is just this idea of Babylon. The third one, or the third idea that comes in here is, is these mud bricks. 
Now this might, some people will write about this and talk about, oh wow, look at human technology already, 11 chapters into the Bible, they're building huge towers and it's awesome, and you could take it that way, that's fine. But really, um, if there is an understanding that, 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 that the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, and specifically in Genesis 1 through 11, is writing in a culture of other ancient Near Eastern literature, and so what that means is there are other nations that exist that are writing their stories of history. So there's a, there's a creation narrative in, in the Babylonian context. There's a flood narrative, and there's other, the other, Egypt is another nation that has these. And they have these stories that they, 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 t- they talk through and have ideas. The difference is, is that in all of these stories, they have, um, like if you compare and contrast them, you should notice the distinction of how different the God of Israel is than any other nation. Like that there is, like the whole, the whole point is like there is no God like the God of Israel or there is no God like Yahweh. But this is a time where you see these, these mud bricks. It's like, oh, is that technology? What is that? Well, there's a story in the Enuma Elish, which is in the Babylonian context, I believe, that, is, uh, that, that, that writes about how these God-like, the, these gods, sub-gods of this guy named Marduk. Now, this might be nerdy, and I apologize. Uh, but you know what? We're in Babylon. We're going for it, okay, people? So, but there's these godlike, not godlike, I keep saying that. There's these, these gods, not the top ones, but the secondary gods that build these, these towers in this temple to the, uh, the god that is associated with Marduk, right? And, but it's gods that are doing it. And they build these, like, these, it's described, the language is, is, is very similar to what's d- described uh, in Israel. So the difference is, in, in Genesis 11, it's people, it's man that is building these bricks. In, in the, the New Malish, it's, it's, it's gods that are doing it. And so what, what is happening here is that it, I think that Israel is basically poking fun at Babylon. So Babylon, again, is the seed of evil or human pride. Like, it's a, it's a bad place. It has a bad idea. Evil comes out of it, and they think they're a big deal. They think they're a great nation, and, 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 and there's just this subtle, like, this, like, almost like a punch in the kidney here. You know what I'm saying? Like, where they're like, no, 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 they're not, they're not that big of a deal. Uh, human beings made these beautiful mud brick towers. That's the other thing, too. So it's this idea of, uh, instead of it being these, like when I imagine the tower, I imagine it being beautiful, but it's like these, like, have you ever, I mean, you ever make a mud brick before? I mean, brick's fine, it's not ugly, but like, have you ever seen the beautiful granite in, uh, like in Israel or in Judah? Like sandstone? Like it's beautiful. And so what, they're dis- what the distinction that they're making here is you think that this, you think that what you're doing is so great and so awesome, and really all you're doing is you're just making a big tower of mud bricks. When like our homeland, again, this is subtle, this is really kind of beneath the surface of the text. Where they're from, where the, the, where the, 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 the promised land is, is the ability to make these beautiful stone towers out of this amazing woodwork there. So uh, there's, this, there's this challenge to the people. Some people even say that this could be read as a satire uh, of, a, of, a, of a Mesopotamian building project as well. Uh, so they, they want to make this tower. And then the fourth thing we'll introduce is this, is this idea of making their name great, which we've already talked about a little bit as well. What do they say in verse 4? They say, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. They're trying to make a name for themselves. And they're trying to also avoid being dispersed in the air. Don't get split up. 
And again, I, I want to go back. So, so Abraham is said in, in Genesis 12, 1 and 2, God says to him, hey, I will make your name great. God is this one who exalts. God is the one who makes our name great. And so just very practically, as, as you think about this, like a, a very simple practical application question would be is this, is are right now, if, if you evaluate your life, is are you trying to make your name great? Like, or whose name are you trying to make great today? When you think about the, the way that you work, the way that you raise your family, the way that you just live your life, what name are you trying to make great? Are you trying to make your own great? Are you trying to climb up and build a big tower to the sky? Or are you letting God and his time exalt you, elevate you? Maybe it's, uh, and, and here's the other thing too, is um, as a follower of Jesus, our idea of greatness has to change a little bit. Um, I think, so we live in the United States, we live in the West, we live and have, um, I mean, we, we have a hashtag called first world problems. You know what I mean? Like, any of you ever have first world problems? Yeah, all the time. So, because we live in the first world. Um, but, so when we think about this from our, we have to be careful to not think about this. When we think about greatness, we think about, like, money, fame, maybe safety, maybe it's just stuff. Like, if I'm great, I'm going to have all this stuff. Or maybe it's, it's whatever else it is. Um, like, so as a follower of Jesus, the greatest person in our, like, the, who we follow, Jesus, like, his exaltation was a cross, and so, like, even the understanding of, like, letting God elevate you and letting God exalt us to, like, so that, uh, you know, he can make our name great, it's going to look different than what the world would say. Because we follow Jesus. We don't follow the rest of the world. Our definitions change because of how we see how Jesus lived the world. He laid down his life. And so, maybe exaltation looks like surrender, and it's not the same as well. But who, whose name are you trying to? to make great as well. And I, I think at this point, there's a, there, there might be a, like a natural question. If you don't know the story, God's gonna basically send them all out, confuse them. But you might be asking this, this question is, so what's wrong with building a tower? You might be at this place right now going like, I don't get it. Like, okay, I get like the making your name great, that's not good. But what's wrong with building a tower? And so, so some people think, so if you think about if they build a tower to the heavens, or it could be the word sky. So sky and heavens is God's space in, that under, in their understanding. The earth, the land is, is, is human space. When they were in the garden, there was a marriage between uh, the, 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 the heavenly or the spiritual and the physical or the heavenly and the, and, and the earth kind of side. So there's this marriage. When they were expelled from the garden, there's this idea that human beings lost uh, access in some ways to that spiritual place because that's now a reserve for God and eventually we'll get to uh, enjoy that marriage again later. And so building a tower was like someone that was trying to reach up and re-enter this space that they didn't, that they have already lost. And so they were, they were trying to go back into this space that they had, had already lost as well. Uh, also, other people say that the reason why God dispersed them is because the, the commandments that have been sent to them is this idea about being, being fruitful and multiplying. And so uh, to, if they were all came together in one city, they wouldn't be going out and advancing and multiplying as well. But let's see what happens. And so, and, and the Lord came down, verse 5, 
to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So, uh, God takes a little visit, right, which is cool. God comes down out of, out, out of the heavens or out of the sky, comes and checks everything out, and he's looking at everything. Now, I want you to notice something that's interesting here. Who does God talk to? He doesn't talk to, the, the, he doesn't talk to anyone in Babel. He's talking uh, to himself or he's talking to his royal court, but he's not having any interaction with human beings, and what do we see in the garden? God is walking with Adam. Even after they fall, he, he talks to them. We see it with Cain and Abel. Even when Cain's about to kill his brother, and even in the judgment, he's talking with them. We see it in Noah. that He's talking and interacting with human beings. Something has happened. Again, they've moved eastward. They've left the provision of God. They've left the, 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 the good relationship with God. and They've moved so far past it that God doesn't even engage with them and have a conversation with them. Now, the, he says this phrase, uh, it says it in verse 6, he says, nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Now, that sounds like God is, is threatened by that. Like, my, again, first reading, I don't think that's what it means, but it could read that way. And, and so why, like, why is God bothered by this? Again, it's the invasion of human beings trying to take the spaces that are reserved for God alone. So Job says this in 42.2. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And so basically, if they do this, anything that they do, nothing can stop them. Like that, that, that idea, like God is the only one whose plans cannot be thwarted. I, I cannot say that word today. I feel like I have peanut butter on my tongue. Uh, but like God is the only one who should be able to accomplish whatever he wants to do. And human beings all coming together, trying to, to make sure that their purposes, their plans, and whatever they want to succeed, like that is them uh, trying to, as it says earlier in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, where they're ch- coming to, trying to be like God, and that is not reserved for them. Like they are human beings, they have a prominent place in creation, but there is no other God other than the God of Israel that is, that is, that is Yahweh as well. It's almost as if, they, if, they're, if they're trying to become like God. And that, like, to me, that's just this picture of what? Babylon. It's this picture of human pride that will eventually turn to evil. And so then what, so what does God do? God's, God scatters them. It says this in verse 7 through 9. He says, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language. And so they may not understand one's, one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off the building of the city. Therefore, his name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So what does God do? He, he does what they were trying to avoid. He, he disperses them. He scatters them. And it's interesting. I was talking to Jake about this. Um, we were talking about, or he was actually talking about this. He was saying, you know, they're trying to avoid uh, in their own strength something. This community, this group of people were trying to avoid being sent out and dispersed throughout the lands. 
And it's interesting that oftentimes the things that we try to avoid, uh, and maybe the, the things we, excuse me, not that, the things we use to try to avoid uh, discomfort and, and hardship typically never worked, right? Like, have you ever s- noticed that the things that you've, you've done or put in, like in, in front of you that you've tried to avoid, like how oftentimes do they, they work out for you? Probably not very often. And what usually ends up happening is we end up experiencing the thing we are trying to avoid and sometimes even worse off. So I'm going to do this so I can avoid this, and, and I end up having to do this, this, this anyway. And I, you know, I think about it in a context, um, I actually think about it in a context of substance abuse right now. So I know we're going to serve with Hope is Alive next week, which I'm super excited about. But let's say, like, let's say that you, you drink so that you don't have to feel certain things. And um, like, let's say you, you, you drink because you don't want to feel sad about this. And then you drink and you feel what, you know, the, the impacts of alcohol, which is fine. Uh, maybe not fine. But you, you drink, you have the impacts, uh, um, impact of it, and then the next day you wake up and you feel what? Sad about the same thing. Or maybe in the middle of drinking, depending on what, whatever it is or how much you drink, you feel overly, like even more so sad. Is there something in your life right now like that you are trying to avoid? Is there something in your life right now that you have put up barriers and walls and, and safeguards so that this won't happen? And how's that going for you? How's it going for you? Is it something that is helpful? Is it something that, 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 that yeah, like you're like you're safe, but it's actually keeping you from, from being a, actually a part of a community or is it keeping you from from, from living the life that God has called you to. So they're scattered. So we, we see this theme, though, over and over again as we've looked at the first 11 chapters of Genesis. We've seen this idea of human beings have been given this incredible world. We've been given this amazing place to be fruitful, to multiply, to harness the potential of the world around us. We've been given this place to be God's witnesses or his image bearers to the world around us, to point people to God. And again, going back to our, our famous theologian Simba, wh- what do we want? we want? We want what's that dark place over there. And we tend in our human pride to try to build towers to make ourselves like God so that we can be the people who say what is good and evil what is right and wrong, what is good for me. And in doing that, we ignore this incredible God who has created this incredible world for us to follow, like to, to follow him and to live out the way that he's called us to. And so, and, and, and the reality is, you're gonna see it throughout the entire Old Testament if you read the rest of the Old Testament, and you're gonna see it in the New Testament with people failing, except until you get to the person of Jesus. And so as we finish today, I want to invite Evan and Tommy to come back up. Um, I, I, I do, I, I want to come back to one of the themes that I think is, is, is probably the most important, at least for today, at least I believe that the Lord wants to put on, put on our minds today, is this, is, is whose name are you trying to make great? I don't know what season of life you're in, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're, 
you know, in a great job that you're looking to climb. I don't know if you're, uh, you're in between jobs. I don't know if you're, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know everyone's story here. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I do know that when we try to make our name great, when we try to put ourselves uh, in a position that is not, is not our own, it usually ends up in confusion and calamity. And I know that when, in my own life, that when I have let God, like, basically, like, I've been content in my certain, like, situation that I'm in. And I know that when I have um, just realized that, like, my name or my fame or my greatness, like, it does, it's not really up to me. If God wants me to, to have this platform or this or that, like, cool. And if God wants me to minister to homeless people for the rest of my life, cool. Like, God can do what he wants, and I believe that he is God and that he is good and he has good things for me. And I'm going to let him exalt me in my time. And I'm going to realize, again, that exaltation in our business, in our following of Jesus, looks different. It looks like surrender. It looks like laying down your life. It looks like loving your neighbor. It looks like pointing people to the one who is good, who is great, who loves us so much, which is Jesus. So the story doesn't end, well, the story, that story ends with a little bit of hope, but then we, we've talked about this a little bit already, but Genesis 12 picks back up, and again, like, like the Bible does, and like the story of the Old Testament does, you get this glimmer of hope. You get this glimmer of a future hope, of a, of a story of a man named Abraham, that, that even though God has dispersed this, 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 this city out and about, we come down and God narrows in on a person of, of a man named Abram. It says this in Genesis 12. He says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. What does he say? Verse 2, And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing to others around you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. Not so that you can have fame, not so you can have status, not so that you can have followers, not so that you can have fill in the blank, whatever your vice or whatever else it is. Is that, that God will make your name great. God will elevate you. God will exalt you to be a blessing for others. And that's what he wants us to call to. And so if you're in a place where you have been in a season of striving, like we're about to take communion together, that's a, there's a time for, for you to confess that. If, if you have been trying to climb a, maybe a corporate ladder so that you could have a better you know, power or money or whatever else it is, and like you haven't let God exalt you so that you can be a blessing to the world around you, uh, like this is a time to confess that. If you... Uh, maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe, maybe you're the one that has been, uh, you, 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 you have a plan in your own strength to try to avoid something. And like you put up walls and boundaries and barriers and they're keeping you from actually experiencing the, like the grace of God and the good things that God has for you in your life. And, and maybe today's the time to take some of those walls back down. 
and so that God can start using you. And like you might experience a little bit of what you don't want, but you, the good news is, is that God will walk through that thing with you. God wants to exalt us um, so that, again, we can be a blessing to point people back to him. Whose name are you making great today? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.